Hello, STEM Nation. Jeff here, and welcome to episode number 59 of STEM on Fire, where we interview practicing professionals in the area of science, technology, engineering, and math to help guide students interested in STEM careers. If you like what you hear, please share it with a friend. Now let's get fired up today with our guest, Chris, and I hope our chat will help ignite your passion towards a STEM career. Chris Rappella earned a Bachelor of Science in Biomedical Engineering from Marquette University and her MS and PhD from Northwestern University and is currently the Dean at Marquette University in the College of Engineering and started out as a professor at Marquette. Welcome to the show, Chris. Fill in any gaps and share a bit of your personal life. Thank you, Jeff. I really appreciate this opportunity. Yes, uh, as you noted, I have several engineering degrees uh, in, in my college career. Um, and I am currently serving as the Dean of Engineering at Marquette after spending 20-some uh, years as an engineering professor um, at Marquette. I also um, let you know, personally, I did do most of my growing up in Wisconsin. I have a wonderful husband who is also an electrical engineer, works out in industry. And I have three children who are now grown. All three of them have engineering degrees and are currently in graduate school, law school, and just beyond graduate school. So very excited how each of them has also um, picked up an engineering degree on the way to their um, careers. And in terms of, I also believe in being a well-rounded person. And I'll just let you know, I love to dance, listen to music, play volleyball, try different kinds of good food. So that's a little bit of my personal side. All right, Chris, thanks for that background. And it sounds like your kid had, kids had some great guidance from, from you and your husband. Um, so hopefully we can, you know, parlay some of that into the, the insights that you can give to STEM Nation here. So let's dig right in. So you've got a biomedical engineering PhD how did you decide to go into biomedical engineering, you know, let's say back in high school? So that's a great question, and I really sort of fell into it by accident. Um, I think in the middle of high school, um, I was really thinking about becoming an architect. I really loved drawing, and I loved architectural type design, uh, and I was also strong in math and science, and I thought it might be an appealing field. But by the end of high school, um, given the academic successes I had. I had many people encourage me to go to medical school. I was always fascinating with health and medical care. I watched a lot of the medical shows on TV and, and for some reason was always fascinated with that. So at the end of high school, I was thinking about going into medical school and I needed a major of some sort. So I started looking at majors at different universities and I thought about chemistry because I loved it as a science. I thought about math because I just happened to be good at it. Um, but none of them really grabbed me quite as a major. And it was really my mother who came home with her brochure about biomedical engineering. There weren't too many schools in the country that offered it, but Marquette University happened to be one of the first in the, in the country to offer biomedical engineering. So she brought home a brochure from a friend. And I looked over the brochure, and what I noticed about the curriculum over the four years was there was a lot of math and a lot of science, only one year of English, and no history. And that's pretty much how I picked my major, not really knowing <laughs> anything about engineering, just thought the courses were appealing. So I did end up at Marquette, and uh, during my four years, I really learned, obviously, a lot about engineering and loved it. I loved how we were using math and a science and applying it to solve problems in med medicine and healthcare. And um, by the end of college, decided um, I really didn't want to be a doctor anymore. I really wanted to continue being an engineer and working as an engineer to solve healthcare problems um, using my engineering skills. So that's kind of how I ended up here. All right. Thanks for that, Chris. And what are some of the career opportunities that would be available for, let's say, an undergrad or one, somebody with an MS degree, a master's degree, or a PhD in biomedical? 
So biomedical engineers, I think biomedical engineering is a great springboard to many different types of careers. So I think there's a lot of flexibility in what one can do with such a with such a degree. Um, with really any of those degrees, bio, uh, bachelor's, master's, PhD, you have options from entering into industry where you might play a role in things like software engineering or medical device design or um, uh validation and um, verification of medical device performance. You might be in the regulatory area where you're trying to get companies to develop a product such that it passes FDA approval. Um, you might be in testing of, of new products. Uh, you might be more involved in product development. Some of our graduates go into research and development of company where they're really doing research at the laboratory bench level of coming up with new ideas for um, healthcare technologies. Um, some of our engineers will go actually go into sales and marketing, so they move more into the business route and within medical device companies and pharmaceutical companies, selling product, marketing product, um, really doing long-term visioning of where new products might might go. Um, some of our graduates, uh, many of our graduates will end up in leadership positions. So some will end up becoming CEOs and starting their own medical device companies and more their own pharmaceutical companies, really being leaders in that context uh, from both an engineering and, and business perspective. And then we have graduates who will go on, let's say, for their PhD and end up going into academia like I did and become professors and teach the next generation of engineers. Um, some of our graduates actually will go in, go and get doctorates in physical therapy or doctorates in nursing because they want more time in that clinical setting. And then some of our graduates will go into even K-12 teaching and, and teaching in the STEM fields in kindergarten through through 12th grade. So really a lot of flexibility in terms of where graduates go and the options that are open to them. All right. Thanks for that, Chris. And I'm going to change gears here a little bit because you're, you're the, you've been a professor for many years and now you're the Dean of Engineering at Marquette University, Milwaukee. And you've seen a lot of students come through and Marquette actually has a really good retention rate for engineering. I think you'd indicated it's up around 80% retention. What, what are some qualities or what are some things that, that students need to know, juniors, seniors in high school, venturing off into college, to make sure that they're, they're not part of that 20% or the overall number of 50% dropout? What do they need to be successful? I think that's a great question. Um, a number of things. Um, I think, you know, something my father used to say to me was work hard, play hard. In other words, there's time for both, but it really is about time management and really being disciplined. So, um, you know, as an engineer, it is hard work. It's a lot of hours um, in the classroom, outside the classroom, and really being disciplined and managing that time and making sure that I am going to take the time to do my studies today. I'm going to do a little bit every day so I don't fall behind. And so m making sure they're managing their time well. And if they and if you do that, you do have time for some fun. You do want to participate in, thing, in extracurricular activities and maybe intramural sports or mission trips or um, other sort of... Of, you know, student government and other sort of campus activities are really important. You want to be a well-rounded person and you want to excel and, and really grow all those aspects of your of your um, personality and, and who you are. But it really is about important time management. Um, I think the other thing is don't expect to be perfect and don't focus so much on having perfect grades. Um, failure in some context really is important. So when you have class projects and you're trying new ideas, as engineers, it's really important to take some risks and to try some new things. And yeah, there's going to be some failure and you're going to have to redo and do it again and, and learn from those failures. But um, if you focus too much on getting that, you know, that A plus and less 
and not as much focus on what you learn, you're going to miss opportunities to really learn new things. So, um, you know, don't be perfect and work hard and, and, and always do your best, but, um, don't afraid to take some risks as well. Um, the other thing I would say that's really important for success in college and beyond is your relationships with other people. Um, you know, we talk about emotional intelligence, which is really about how you, what you know, how you know yourself and how you treat others. And um, those relationships are really important in your, in your, in your happiness in college, and your ability to work on teams, and your ability to develop those people skills, because those have lifelong um, implications and lifelong skills that you need to be successful. All right. Thanks for that, Chris. That's some very good insight. And let's get very specific in one thing that really has you fired up about engineering or the professional world of being a, a dean of a, of a university <laughs> or professor. Wow. Great question. There are a lot of things that have me fired up. I think in terms of biomedical engineering, um, I'm really excited about personalized medicine and where we're going with being able to pinpoint exactly um, the kind of disease you might have and really how to do specialized treatment. So, for example, in the area of cancer, if you think about breast cancer, it's not just the breast cancer. Now they can do a lot of, you know, genetic and other sort of um, personal analysis of you for, for to be very specific in what that cancer is and knowing exactly how certain treatments are going to, um, how it's going to respond to certain treatments for you as an individual versus, let's say, other people. So I think we're getting much better at those per personalized diagnosis and treatment. I'm also really excited about what the cell phone, cell phone technologies and mobile technologies will do for medical practice and healthcare and what we'll be able to do more remotely and, and the access that we'll be able to give more people remotely because of what we can do now with some of the, you know, cell phone remote technology, modern technologies that we have today. I think it's really going to change how we do medicine, practice medicine, hopefully how we behave as patients. Um, and the third would be implantable devices. Implantable devices are becoming smaller, smarter, using artificial intelligence in some really cool ways where we'll be able to do more, implant more, again, for monitoring and treatment of patients. Um, for me as a dean, I think as a dean of engineering, what excites me and what I'm really focused on is um, really changing the face of engineering and bringing a much more diverse group of people into the field of engineering. I like to talk about um, the fact that if we're going to be truly innovative and entrepreneurial as engineers, we need to be engineering profession needs to represent people from all walks of life. So we need all kinds, men, women, different races, ethnicities, economic backgrounds, social backgrounds to be participating in the engineering field because everybody brings unique um, experiences, life experiences to um, innovation and to design as we think about technology and moving forward. So I'm excited that I think we're doing a better job of bringing a more diverse group of people to the engineering profession. Do you, do you have any statistics, Chris, on what the relationships or what the, the ratios are of men to women and in the, in the working world in yeah, STEM? It's, well, I, I can't, you know, STEM as a whole includes sciences and engineering. I, I can't speak as much to that larger group, but I can tell you that within engineering, the engineering workforce is about, you know, 12% women and the rest men. So still a very small number of women participating and really something that we need to change. Um, and... If you think about it, the uh, the way we look at technology, the way we experience technology can be very different even for men and women. And so if, as we bring more women into the field, I think we will also attract different types of men and different types of thinking and different types of experiences that will make us even more innovative in our technologies. 
So Chris, so think of, of young women out there, junior, seniors in high school, thinking about engineering or STEM in general. And, and it's like, well, you know, that's kind of a male dominated profession. What, what would you have, what would you say to them to get them excited about or, or some, some places they can go to get some insights or find mentorship? I would say go for it. Um, don't let any kind of, you know, sort of fear of, I don't see myself or I, I don't, you know, mostly men don't let that keep you from going after something that you're really excited about. And there are people to help you. There are great um, summer academies and camps at all the universities for women to participate in to learn more about engineering. There are women professors who are more than happy to um, be mentors and share their experiences, invite you into their labs, help you to learn more about what you might be able to do with an engineering degree. And there are plenty, and there are women out in industry who want to do the same things. There are, you know, programs all over that we're trying to develop, uh, offer and bring in women so they can actually experience it and help them find their strengths and help them find their interest um, so that when they are going after a STEM field, they can be they can feel confident. We can also help you network. Those of us who are already in the profession can help you network with other both men and women who can end up being great mentors and um, sources of information and just really good networking people to help you um, make a name for yourself and meet the people that you need to meet in order to um, in order to uh, find the education or the job that you're seeking. Yes, yeah, Nation. So, you know, if you're in high school, go to LinkedIn, make sure you have a LinkedIn profile. And if you see something interesting in your city or, or, or state or country, reach out to that person, connect with them on LinkedIn. And, you know, maybe you want to go get a tour of their company, get some insights from them. Almost anybody you reach out to is going to be more than willing to help you out. So, so take advantage of that. You bet. That's excellent advice, Jeff. All right, Chris. And we're going to change gears to an aha moment. Could you Give us an aha moment that you had and tell us a story and how you turned that into success. Yeah, I think for me in terms of what I'm doing now, my aha moment was really um, after my summer, or during the summer after my junior year of college, I had an internship. I was lucky to get an internship with a company called Marquette Electronics. It, um, it was its CEO was Mike Cudahy, who's one of Milwaukee's um, great philanthropists, um, but it was his company. And I actually was a gymnastics coach at a private club here in the Milwaukee area. And one of the parents um, of some students that I taught actually offered me a summer job at Marquette Electronics as a biomedical engineer. And I was very fortunate. It was a little bit hard to find jobs in those days. Um, but I had this summer job at the company and it was a wonderful experience. First, I learned a lot about a great way to lead companies just from a role model like Mike Cudahy. But the other thing that I did during that summer is I spent two days a week at Doyne Hospital Milwaukee and St. Luke's Hospital also in Milwaukee. And I was there to evaluate Marquette Electronics monitoring equipment in the cardiac care and intensive care unit. So their monitor was in the unit and so was one of their competitors. And they were really interested in you know, having a greater market share, taking greater market share from the competitors. So I was there to evaluate the monitors as they were hooked up to patients in terms of how good it were the monitors performing their job and making the right calls. And every time there was an abnormal heart rhythm, did the monitors diagnose it correctly and alarm correctly, et cetera. And so what I learned during that summer, though, more valuable to me is while I was out there watching the patient care, talking to doctors, talking to nurses, really being in that setting, is by the end of summer, I learned that I really didn't want to be a doctor. I wasn't so interested in the day-to-day -day care of patients. 
I was much more interested in working side by side with the doctors in developing new technologies and coming up with cool new technologies to treat patients. And so it was a really important moment for me because prior to that summer experience, I had already taken my entrance exams for medical school. I was starting application process for medical schools. I just thought that's what I should do. And it was really that summer experience that uh, opened my eyes, made me realize, no, that isn't the career I wanted at all. I was much more excited about um, staying in as an engineer and developing the technologies myself. And so during the fall of my senior year then, I was pretty much decided I wasn't going to medical school. So now what do I do? Um, I had the option to go back to the company the following year after I graduated and take a permanent position. But part of me started thinking about graduate school for two reasons. One, I always wanted a more advanced degree. My father had been a professor and I felt like with the bachelor's degree, I had good general knowledge, but I really wanted to get more depth in particular areas of engineering. So graduate school would offer that to me. The other reason I thought about graduate school um, and even being a professor is because I did a lot of teaching. I was a tutor during college for a number of students in the engineering um, discipline. I also was a gymnastics coach. I was a gymnastics coach through most, a good chunk of high school as well as college, and I really enjoyed teaching, and I think I was good at taking very cl- complex ideas and breaking it down into simpler um, parts for people to learn. And so that whole teaching thing really was part of who I was and what I wanted to do. So that's by the end of my by middle of senior year, I had uh, started applying to graduate schools. I started thinking about being a professor and By the following summer after I graduated, I finally decided I would go to graduate school, um, pursue that PhD, and then, and then when at the end of graduate school, I make a final decision about staying in industry or going into academia. Thanks for that, Chris. And and STEM Nation, a couple of subtle things that that Chris touched on is it, it. it seemed to me like in her gut, she, she liked to teach, and she listened to her gut, and she pursued that. And the other thing is the internship, where she determined from, a, from an internship just happened to deal with doctors, happened to be what happened during an internship. She realized she really didn't want to be a doctor. So internships are so important, not only to figure out what you want to do, but what you really don't want to do. So imagine if Chris would have gone off to medical school because that's what she thought she needed to do and in the end was just miserable. So listen to your gut and try to get those internships, get experience so you know what you really want to do. So thanks for that, Chris. Absolutely. I I can't emphasize, you've said it all. Internships are so important. They help you figure out what you do want to do and they help you figure out what you don't want to do. So you couldn't have said it better. All right, Chris, and we're going to take a quick pause and thank our sponsor, Audible, who's offering a free audiobook. You can head over to stemonfirebook.com. That's stemonfirebook.com to get a free audiobook of your choosing. If you decide to cancel within 30 days, there's no cost and you keep the audiobook. And it is lightning round time. Chris, we're about ready to wrap up here. Are you ready? I am. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? I've had several mentors who taught me the phrase, better is often the enemy of the good. In other words, no one good is good enough and don't put any more time or resources into something than you have to. And a personal habit that contributes to your success. Yes, exercise and staying active. I really think I'm a big believer in sound mind and sound body. So keeping body in shape and getting some form of exercise and trying new things um, physically and mentally are really important. And if you had to pick a favorite internet resource or phone app, what would that be? Well, on my phone, it's the camera. (laughs) I love taking photos, and so I'm really happy to have that with me all the time. Otherwise, probably either the Apple Maps or Google Maps uh, for navigation. So important to everything we do today, even though I probably resisted it for a long time. I use those apps a lot. All right. And if you had to pick one book, what would it be? Oh, my gosh. I have so many favorite 
books, it's hard to say. I still think I like the Harry Potter series. Sorry, it's just creative. It's fun. It's fantasy. And a lot of good lessons about leadership in there um, and just people and diversity. Chris, so you've provided plenty of guidance and insight, but we're going to ask for a little bit more. Could you share a parting piece of guidance for STEM Nation? And then we'll say goodbye. Yes, I would say um, parting words, just be true to yourself. Um, Take time to reflect on a daily basis, reflect on your life and the impact you're having on others in the world, and really be grateful for the good in your life. Um, There are a lot of things to easily get frustrated about or have anxiety about or worry about, but It's really important to every day live in the moment and be grateful for the good things that you have in your life right now. Thanks for that, Chris. And we will say goodbye. Thank you, Jeff. I hope you enjoyed that chat today with Chris. Head over to stemonfire.com, subscribe to the email list to keep up the latest happenings, and be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast player. And please share it with a friend. Tune in next week where we talk with Nick, who has a financial mathematics degree and is an entrepreneur. Until next time, I hope this chat has helped ignite your passion towards a STEM career.